Good evening and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Corn sugar and caffeine. I feel my body in two different places. I'm still playing for both teams. Sometimes it feels I was born with two faces. I feel the smoke on the show tonight. Yeah, he's back. It's Paul Thor. And he's joined by Ricky Hyatt, Tom Bailey, and Dave Pryor. And I might chirp in just occasionally. So settle down and let's have a little bit of good old football banter. series called Bosch. It's on Amazon Prime and it's great. And good evening everybody and welcome to yet another edition of Football Bloody Hell. I yes, just don't feel right, right a, with it. <laughs> Go on, Tom. <laughs> it doesn't feel right with it being sad. I need, I need aggressive. Uh, the I think there's a back. reason why it's sad. Though thinking oh, about I know, it, I know there's we'll the reason. Into that but... later. I know there's yeah. the reason, but I need it. I need the aggression back. I need some passion in it. I'm sure. Football, bloody hell! There we go. We're back. We're up and running. So as you've just heard, Aidy Hoffer's with us. How you doing, Aid? Yeah, well, I've been better, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. All ready to go. <laughs> Tom Bailey's here. How you doing, Tom? I'm good, thank you. Good, good. Excellent. Rick, are you good, good, good? Radiant. Radiant. Excellent. Yeah. Glad to hear it. You're uh, just trying to copy Roy Keane with your beard. That's all you're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> you want to come back on that, Rick? It'll, it'll be off no. next week because I mean, Kino's is off and on like a, isn't it? One week he's there, Careful. next week he's gone. <laughs> I think he sticks them on because I mean, you can't grow a beard that quickly, can you? We real men can. Carry on, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking of real men, then uh, completing our set tonight will hopefully be Paul Thorpe, but he is running a little bit late, so hopefully he will be able to join us uh, later on in the pod. Um, before we do get started, gentlemen, I just want to touch base with the fact that um, obviously what Yeovil Town um, tweeted out earlier today, and unfortunately, um, one of the supporters of Yeovil, um, Craig Leader, unfortunately lost his life. Um, I just want to share the condolences on behalf of everyone at Free Valleys Radio um, to go out to the friends and family of Craig who supported Yeovil Town up and down the country, home and away, and I'm sure that everybody connected feels feels the same way. So a little bit of sad news to to kick off the show, unfortunately. But in terms of the game itself, um, Tom Bailey, going to have to start with you. Yeovil won, Maidstone won on Saturday afternoon. Um, you were there. Talk us through it. What did you think about the performance and the result to follow? Oh, well, perfect timing. Paul has just joined us, who was um, also there. Um, good first half, very good first half. Very unfortunate to not go in with a goal, maybe two at halftime. Um, just can't get the ball in the net. It's, it's, just, it's felt a lot like Tuesday of good build-up play, really good chances, just can't quite get it over the line. Go behind in the first 10 minutes of the second half and then have a mountain to climb in the for the rest of the game but we we looked better and again Cooper made some good changes bringing on um, Thomas and Ung and uh, wasn't afraid to bring off Staunton either 
um, to help get some more bodies up front. So all in all, I think there's still things to be positive about. Um, and with the last game of the home run coming on Saturday, we can hopefully get another win and keep the momentum going. Thorpey, welcome back, sir. Hello, sir. Sorry about that. That's, like, That's uh, all right. That's all right. Families, isn't it? Hmm. No, no problem at all. You were, uh, I you were in the introductions that you'll be here shortly, and as if by magic, you're on cue. You so, weren't patching, no patching or anything, were you, Poppy? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, on my extensive eighteen-hole golf course out in the back garden. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, that's the one I meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had to get the sprinklers going like again. It's a terrible night. <laughs> what a life, eh? What a life. Yeah. I wonder what my butler's doing. Uh, I suppose it takes you 10 minutes to get back over the moat to get back into your room, then it's all. It does, actually, sometimes <laughs> quite longer. You know, if the wind's in the right direction. There we go. Um, Sorpy, the performance on Saturday, obviously, it's the first, I think I'm right in saying it's the first time that you've watched um, the lads in action this season. Um, what, Apart from what Dorchester, obviously. So, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, which was, yeah. Yeah, 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 which was a, a very much a mix, uh, mixture of uh, young, youngsters in the first half and major team in the second half, which obviously went very well. I thought first half performance was really uh, good, apart from uh, we spoke about on the, the uh, commentary about how, how ruthless you need to be, you know, to be at the top of any league. And I felt that was one the one thing that was missing. Uh, second half really was um, not with the same intensity that they needed to keep going. And they seemed a little bit flat-footed mid and I felt they allowed Mason to get back in the game, and then the sucker punch came. And I say, as Tom said, like sort of ten minutes in the second half, and then you'd expect that little bit of a reaction, and it didn't really come. Um, you know, and I thought, to be honest, you, it, when Reese came on, it, we we didn't give him the ball enough. Uh, he was struggling for that intensity, and really got lucky. sharpness and where he knew where he, he needed to be um he was there to save a save a point and um so i thought we second half you're fair we got a little bit lucky in, in getting that point where we need to as a home build that fortress style and and we need to put our teams on the back foot and i think that um you know it, the intensity needed to be a little bit more in the second half first half i thought was excellent you know but a bit more of that in the second half. I thought we, we could have won it, like, but it just wasn't there in the second half. Sometimes that happens, but um, there's some big key players that needed a second half performance and they weren't there, which was disappointing. Rick, again, it was a mixed reaction from some um, elements of, of the supporters. Um, obviously, we touched on that last week, but in the grander scheme of things, it's another point on the board against a team that's probably going to be in at least in and amongst the playoffs come the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think people are going to have to stop grumbling and get used to the fact that this is the sort of football that the manager wants to play. It's going to be possession-based and you may well have to hang on for a long time before the before the goals come. He, he said himself that he thinks fitness is going to be key and Yeovil are going to score a lot of goals in the last... 10 minutes or so, but um, yeah, it's just the way it's going to be. I'm, I'm afraid, as long as it's getting results at the end of the day and you're not losing, it would be nice not to go behind. Yeah. And as the, as the lad said, you've got to score. You've got to score when you're on top. And the goals earlier in the game would be nice. But I mean, this is, this is the team are obviously following instructions, playing the way he wants them to play. So that's what it's going to be this year. AD, I'll throw it to you. Do you think there's anything in the fact that it's been noticed for the last two games now that Yeovil have been turned around and been shooting towards the Thatchers in the first half? Mm. I mean, do, do you think there's anything in that at all, Aid, or do you think that it shouldn't really be an issue? Well, I think it shouldn't really be an issue, but, but you know, footballers tend to, I mean, I'll stop you, footballers tend to be superstitious in some <laughs> contexts, and you just begin to wonder whether there's a few of them who are a bit superstitious shooting one way or the other. But I, I just get the feeling that, that that there's a sort of, I won't say an overconfidence exactly, but because they've come back and managed to either score a winner or at least to score an equaliser, it, it's almost as though there's a there's a tendency amongst them to think, well, that'll be right, you know, as the game goes on, we'll get there in the end. And they have done, to be fair, but, you know, surely there should be a little bit more anger and a little bit more passion 
in the earlier parts of the game so they don't have to go through that situation of trying to get another goal no matter what. Is that a fair comment, Tom? Yeah, yeah. As long as if we can get goals in the first half, it will make everyone's lives a hell of a lot easier, as we saw with St Albans, where we got those two goals and went in with a lead. We did okay in the second half to sit back, but it gives you that relief knowing you've got that cushion, whereas you're there fretting and you've got to try all sorts to, to get back into it. It gets a bit desperate, whereas if you've got that lead, um, it just makes your life a hell of a lot easier. Again, I'm sure as as um, Paul would know from from his days where if you're defending a lead it's way easier to defend the lead than to get a lead back so and taking 100%. one positive from it from it Thorpe is that um, obviously Murphy uh, got on the score sheet again and it was a proper poacher's finish inside the box which is what we've been missing for quite some time now he just knows where to be he, he knows uh, he's very confident of his own ability was a little bit surprised he didn't start with you honest you um they said when you when you get to the old the elder part of your career and you know you want to play as much football as you can. It's nice to and, have um, options in that area now. To be fair, Paul. <laughs> it, it, it listen, it does. You know, and um, I thought it's the normal partner at the lad up front. Uh, um, which, he's got name's got out of my head again. Um, I thought he deserved the man of the match. Oh, Jake Jake Hyde. Uh, yeah. Uh, or Newball. Newball deserved his um, you know his his man of the match performance and. Um, you know, I, I thought that um, listen, Jay Hyde didn't do anything really wrong and he looked lively, but it's about holding that ball up in deeper positions and um, and then bringing your midfield in so they can slide the next person in and working as a team up front. And I felt that they were probably just a little bit too far apart and a little bit individual. I, I'm not, you know, Newball is not going to be able to do the channel running. And I said that really on, didn't I, Tom? That, um, you know, that he's going to wear himself out. He should have been the opposite way round. It should have been Hyde doing the channel running, hold the ball up, bringing you know the, the wing backs in, and then getting that ball in. So so we get the big man up there and use his height and his power um, up there. And um, for him to be starting to doing doing all the, the channel runnings, I can tell you as because I, I have done that in the past. You know it's, it is damn hard work, and um, it, you know second half you are gasping for air a little bit, and um, you, you need to be super fit. And for bigger people like myself and noobs, it's, it's not easy to do because your muscles are using up more oxygen and don't in the, te the technical side of it. It just it's just the way it is. So um, we need to, to him to be more centralised in between the two 18-yard lines, Hyde and, and and all the midfielders and wing backs doing all the rest of the bits, and then get keep whipping that ball in. You know I can't express how much importance it is to keep getting crosses in. Well, you can listen to the next game on Free Valleys Radio with, uh, I think, myself and yourself, Paul, on the billing for Tombridge Angels um, at home. So yeah. tune into Three Valleys Radio for that one and see how Yeovil can capitalise on their fourth home game in a row, as I think it will be well publicised, of course, in that unique situation. Um, moving on, from Yeovil, just want to touch on it briefly that we spoke on Wednesday that hopefully we were able to get into touch base on a on a World Cup win for the first time on this podcast, but uh, it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. Tom Bailey, I'm going to come to you first because more importantly, did you tune in or were you out for a walk? Tell nope, us. I did tune in. I absolutely tuned in. Perhaps it was my fault that we lost because the first time I tune in, we lose. Um, <laughs> it was it was really hard to watch. Um, personally, while Spain were slightly better than England and over a 90 they would probably deserve it, I think the refereeing was an absolute shambles, personally. <laughs> um, the handball was... I think I'm the only person that has sort of said this to people I've spoken to. I don't actually think that was a handball and I think not only was it refereed wrong by re refereeing the game, I think it was still the wrong decision. I don't think that was a handball, personally. Um... Paraluelo, the Spanish striker, she should have been sent off for kicking the ball away and you yeah. saw her hesitate yeah. to send her off and she thought, oh no, she's on a yellow, I can't send her off for that. It's the lesser of the law. You've got people standing in their technical box, which all of them should have been booked for that. Um, none of them were booked for that. Tindall, 
<laughs> he was in someone's. He would have blended in. It would have been. Um, he would have loved it. Everyone standing up. But no, I I thought the refereeing was an absolute joke. Um, Spain deserved it just over the ninety. And Mary Earps got to give her pre uh, props as well. Absolutely fantastic from her. But yeah, real heartbreaking to see. Thorpe, just just on the the performances there, Tom's touched on. Um, obviously, we can see this in you know easy to say this in hindsight, but I did think obviously the change at half time bringing we obviously wanted to get Lauren James on, but I was a bit surprised that Russo did come off. To be quite honest, and maybe in yeah. hindsight, it's easy to obviously say that now, but looking back, possibly there might have been a different change there. But the overall point really is that. It wasn't really a great game. It was quite cagey, intense, which you would expect. And Spain obviously just had that that little bit more of an edge um, in front of goal. Well, we knew that Spain are a possession side, and um, even with all their troubles behind the scenes, we we knew that they were on form. Uh, so when when you get into a, a, a game where you know we did, didn't quite press high enough in the first. Um, quarter of the game that allowed Spain to get into their rhythm and when you get a team you know as good as they are whether it's men's or women's football doesn't make no blind bit of difference it is really very very hard to, to um, get away from that rhythm and when they get that rhythm they create more space and they did it superbly well to be fair but I also got to say that the, the England back line has been magnificent throughout this tournament I mean Millie Bright you know, in stature and in, in is is an absolute leader. You know, I thought uh, Kelly. You know, all the back line were absolutely fantastic. Midfield needed to be a little bit higher. Maybe that's the back line need to push them up. But you know, it was just we allowed them to get their rhythm, and they really did close. They did they did to us what we needed to do. Then they closed us down really really well. You know, and when they got their chance, they took it really well. It was, in fact, Russo was chasing her back. And I, I've said that the one thing, that if I was a coach now, the one thing that I'd be working on with Russo is her, is her pace. She's, she has not got that turn of pace. She's quite a, a, a long loping runner. Um, probably pretty good on long distance, but she needs to change that into that sharpness and speed. And the left back was just that little bit quicker than her and she got away and got to be said what a fantastic finish but um but uh, yeah I, I listen i didn't think personally i didn't think they'd get to the finals i thought they'd be beaten in the semis by france france didn't get there i was excited by the opportunity of playing at australia and they did a great job there and um so i think that they they're exactly where i expected them to be to be honest with you um i didn't think they'd win it i thought there was too much quality out of the team so to get where they were, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And I think they should be complimented for getting exactly to where they, 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 they did. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, final point, Rick. They can still be really proud of, of the achievement with the Euros to boot, Euros win and a second place at a World Cup. I mean, it's not bad, is it? Fantastic. You'd, you'd have taken that, wouldn't you? Um, another uh, World Women's World Cup spoilt by an American. This time she was the one refereeing it rather than the one picking up the, the trophy. But, I mean, it was frustrating watching the final because Lauren Hunt hit the crossbar before they scored. You know, and if that goes in, you're looking at a completely a completely different game. And saying about the back, Thorpe saying about the back four and, and Millie Bright, don't forget Leah Williamson was out injured. And then mm. you've lost your captain coming into a tournament like that. They had to restructure the back division and went to a three rather than a four during the tournament. I just think they made the changes too early in the... I'd hung on a bit longer before making the changes in the second half, but then again, uh, what 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 do I know? But they, they did really well and I would really um, like to go out and buy myself a Marriott goalkeeping shirt, but of course Nike decided that no one in the world wants to buy a replica shirt of the best goalkeeper in the women's game. <laughs> also, the, the, the girl who has the, the greatest celebration... I've seen in a long time on a football pitch when she saved that penalty. <laughs> that was that was the highlight of the final for me. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, well, didn't, you didn't need, you didn't need to be very good at lip reading, did you? Without that, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't apologise for it because they apologised for everything else. But fair play to them. Yeah, so unfortunately for for England, um, it it wasn't to be. So looking 
back at the results um, from the Premier League. I'm going to do this chronologically yeah, so, no, so no one can accuse me of picking out certain results first. So we're going to do this chronologically. Um, Aid, I'm going to throw it to you because you and Tom White both were pretty unanimous in quite a thumping prediction for Nottingham Forest over Sheffield United. Turned out to be a lot closer, but they still got the win. Yeah, they can. Uh, oh, I did, rather. Um, uh, I was down the pub yesterday, actually, so I missed all the action. But there is a, there is a common thread to what we've been talking about, is getting that first goal. Because what a difference. It, it, made, it would have made a difference at Yeovil, and it certainly would have made a difference in that uh, mm. World Cup final. But it didn't happen, so there we go. Uh, as for Forrest, I think they're going to surprise a few people. They seem to be starting... You know, quite well. Okay, yeah, it was a bit tight, and, and maybe we'd all sh sort of written off Sheffield United, but perhaps too soon because although they lost, they didn't sort of lose by very much. They didn't get absolutely tonked. It was a, a fairly tight game. Uh, in the end, they ended up losing. But um, you know, I, I think first of all, I think Forest are going to do mid-table, and I think Sheffield United. Who knows if they if they don't start getting into the habit of losing which is always a danger when you're down the bottom of the league. Um, if they can sort of you know, pick up a, two or three wins, get a bit of confidence, and you never know where they could go. Tom Bailey, you picked out um, Harmer as a decent signing for Sheffield United um, on the pod on Wednesday. And there's no better way than curling one into the top corner on your debut, is there? That was unfinished. I'm not... not seeing it? Is that what you're going to tell me? I saw every other game on Match of the Day. It's the one I've not been able to see yet. <laughs> of all the people to pick. Okay, um, did anybody no. see the goal? Yes. <laughs> Go on, Thorpey, take over. Sorry, oh, I just thought it was fantastic. I mean, more confidence. Come on there and then say the curly in the top corner. Well, not just there, but with pace as well. And, um, you know, whilst, whilst Tom's scrambling for the highlight show now. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, Tom, think, come, uh, back. So, so come back in, Tom, because um, I've probably stitch you over there but obviously the performance itself we've said that you know probably be quite for Sheffield United but you never know with a couple of shrewd signings like that who knows they might be more competitive than we've given them credit for one thing I did notice that has got me concerned for them is that two of their new signings that started um, Benny Traore and Vinicius de Souza Costa both of them nice. went off injured <laughs> I know that uh, um, both of them went off injured so that is a concern for them um, obviously we'll have to wait and see how bad those injuries were but um, certainly not ideal for two of your new signings to be injured straight away um, Looking into Saturday then um, I think pretty much everyone who was on the pod apart from myself on Wednesday predicted quite a routine win for Brentford over Fulham and Rick the, the panel were correct because it was a very, very comfortable display. Brentford looked good, didn't they? Um, sensible people have and were known as a very important part of their fantasy team. As uh, a midfielder, I've noticed. Fantasy, those positions, don't get me started on that because Mo Salah's been playing in midfield for the last five years. <laughs> it's an absolute joke. But anyway, anyway uh, Brentford, that's Brentford played really well and I expect them to carry on carry on doing it. They're a club that knows exactly what they're doing. They have the right personnel in to do it. There's no square pegs in round holes. They just, they go and do Brentford things, as they say, and they're very easy on the eye. Good team to watch. And yeah, I can just see that they're going to have another good season this year. Aid, on the flip side, you mentioned about Mitrovic last time around and it was announced after the game that he is going to be off off to Saudi. So does that mean that did, would you be a bit more worried for for Fulham if they don't replace him? Well, obviously a lot depends on who they do replace him with. I presume they're going to get somebody in, um, but uh, he's, he's a big miss because I don't know I don't know what the average number of goals he scores each season was, but it's probably well into double figures, I suspect. Well, has been recently. Yeah, so you don't want to lose a player like that without. Uh, at least getting somebody to replace him is going to come up with similar numbers and I don't know who they're going to get yet but uh, having said that Fulham have been quite strong at home but um, you know to go down was it 4-0 wasn't it um, yeah worrying I would have uh, thought 3-0 three, three at the weekend oh was it 3 sorry yeah um, worrying for them though I would have thought 
Yeah, Torpy, I asked Rick this um, last week, and I'll, I'll ask you the same question. Are you surprised that um, Brentford are not almost, they're not getting the same publicity as a Brighton in terms of Brighton are getting all the credit for, and quite rightly so, for the players that they're producing? They're then moving them on, and every time they move them on big money, they get more players come through. But the yeah. same's happening for Brentford, isn't it? Are you surprised that more people aren't in for, say, an Umbermo and the like? I just think he's got he's got the, the magic touch there, isn't he? I mean, what a fantastic manager. He allows his players to express themselves, and um, I think the whole club is just being run superbly He well. seems like the kind of manager you'd want to play for as well, Thomas Frank. Oh, absolutely. I mean... You're allowed to express yourself. Listen, they've got a plan of action, and the plan of action is absolutely working. But one thing they do do is that they absolutely move the ball around really sharpish. And they they all work so hard defensively. You know, they can play. They've got some good players. You see, uh, listen, you want to go and watch them play, wouldn't you? You want to go and watch Brighton play because of the players they've got. And um, that's exciting. That's exciting for the Premier League that we haven't got the... Uh, the, the normal set of uh, teams at the top. Listen, we know it's early days, and we know you know the Premier League is relentless, and it's uh, it, it's finding out of, of your weaknesses. But um, I think it's just two fantastic football clubs, and like I say, you know, I, I don't know how many they hold just down in the uh, south. Is it the southwest of it of uh, London? You know where Brentford is, and um, you know it, I think that it's not a huge ground, is it? But they certainly spend their money wisely and their recruitment is absolutely fantastic. You know, just going back to, you know, Fulham, they're talking about possibly going for Che Adams at uh, Southampton. Um, there's a possible move in for a striker there. Um, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we'll have to wait and see on that one. It's but, a gamble, um, isn't it? Because, again, it's somebody who's guaranteed championship goals, but not necessarily Premier League goals. Yeah, he's got there, but he's also Scottish international, isn't he? Like, so he's got that little bit of extra, je ne sais quoi, they should say, like for for the goals. Listen, he can score, you know, and uh, Fulham do create quite a lot of chances. So, um, but it's what Mitrovic was making himself, I think, is the the issue where he's big and powerful, and he created um, some, some. He was more like, than a goal scorer, wasn't he? Really, in how they played. Yeah. Yeah, it, listen, what I've been saying at Yeovil, he's set to play up, but he's set to play up really deep into the opponent's half. And, uh, you know, his, his movement's very clever across the front line of the uh, defenders. Like So, you know, he's he, he's, a, he's going to be an asset missed by them for sure. But I'm sure he'll enjoy his multi-millions that he gets for playing half a season. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I tell you, you what, though, I can't can argue against see figures, really. Adams scoring... The, the the requisite number of goals that Mitrovic did. If no, if, he's not if going to be a twenty goal, Yeah, he's not going to be a twenty goaler a no. season type of guy. Like so, and that's what all these teams are looking for. They're looking for somebody to score twenty goals a season. Um, next three o'clock then was um, Liverpool three one over over Bournemouth. Um, Rick, we we spoke about it on Wednesday that Bournemouth could why potentially you, cause a bit of a problem. Why have you come to me? What possible the, I, I can tell you why I've come to you. To talk about this game of football. <laughs> because I want because your you're opinion. neutral. I want, I want you to tell me, with no tinted glasses on at all, yeah. red card or not. Uh, it's harsh, isn't it? That's all I wanted to hear. It's harsh. I mean, if it happened to <laughs> anyone else, you'd know you'd, you'd be disappointed if it happened to one of your players. To be, to be I, honest, I, Rick, the, the reaction said it all, didn't it? Like, yeah. I, He looked like the most surprised person in the world when he got yeah. that red card out. The last thing he was he was expecting. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually playing cricket while this was going on, so unaware of everything that's gone on. But I, I just, just caught up, and I see Mr Salah managed to miss another penalty against Bournemouth. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> he did, but Tom Bailey, he popped away the rebound superbly. He absolutely did, and I mean, Bournemouth for the first sort of ten, ten or so minutes looked very good, um, and they've definitely arrested any doubts in my mind that they will not be going down. Um, I thought they were going to be certs to go down before the start of the season. Then I saw some of their preseason their signing and they changed my mind a bit, and I'm glad I was proven wrong. Yeah, they will be absolutely fine this year. Liverpool, we still definitely need at least two midfielders. Uh, especially now McAllister has been um, rather harshly sent off um, and I, I think they're looking to appeal it but I don't know if 
they've actually yeah i think that went in today i saw they have done that but hopefully we can get him back because that was it was a pretty harsh um red card um but i mean endo was chucked in at the deep end he's done all right uh we just need bodies at this point because jones is is broken again uh he's made of glass so i can't rely on him as much as he is a good player same for tiago um elliot's ankles are made of glass so we need two maybe three midfielders to stand a chance of top four honestly because i'm not convinced we'll be top we'll be top four especially if we keep playing and are struggling like we would against someone like bournemouth so we haven't really had a chance to have a deep dive with you yet on the the goings on at liverpool in the summer but obviously like tom's just referenced there no more hendo but hello endo yeah I'll... Good luck to uh, Hendo and uh, welcome, yeah, the other one. So, <laughs> hopefully, he settles in really, really quickly. Um, I, I was, I'm just concerned about our, our defensive qualities. Uh, they're just not the standard we expect. Um, I thought with a great, great preseason, which I don't, I've got a question. All the preseasons actually this year, I think that they've been absolutely disgusting. How you expect your players to do over four and a half thousand miles just for your financial um, gains? I just think he's absolutely crazy. Um, that's maybe a, a topic for another day. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm still we've still got a few failings as regards to our defensive, and I think that's where um, the signing uh, that, that will probably hopefully happen of a, a certain Man City player. Um, will happen Kevin Phillips Kevin yeah. Phillips <laughs> oh Kevin Phillips <laughs> but I, I think that that will happen because I think that he's that he's that defensive midfield player that I think yeah so there is there is talk him. talk today about a loan deal is that right is that what the rumours are at the minute a loan a loan deal with the um, with the option to buy at, at the end of it and I think that uh, I think he's a good player he's got to I, listen I'd be going for the move because monetary wise listen he's not going to be a lot less than what he's getting now. Um, he'll get a nice little signing-on fee as well. He comes into a, to another top world-class team. Would he find um, himself in the same position, though, Thorpe? And no, I don't think he will. On the bench, if everyone's fit or not. No, listen, no, he always get a bit of rotation, but no, I don't. I think it's a really bad area that Liverpool find themselves in. You know, they listen. We know. Is it going to be a season where we're going to be win five four and and um, six five and and three two? I think that's the possibility that that, that all all get the, the draws. That's not good enough for, for Liverpool. We got to be we got to be up there and and we got to be ruthless and we we've got a problem. And I think that he could he could help. I'm not saying he's going to solve it, but I certainly he could certainly help solve it. It would take him a while to settle in because you know he's not had a lot of football, but he'd be hungry as well for success. And I think that. That would be the key for me. You've got a player out there who's not playing, wants to be going to the, you know, to the Euros, and um, you know, I think that he he could certainly be an asset. I'd be certainly more worried if I was um, the, the the redder side of. Don't Manchester. say it. We'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that shortly. There we get that. So we discuss that openly in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I certainly think. Um, we look good going forward. I certainly just think the aspect of our defending side of our game needs to be improved. And there's still a couple of weeks left, I think, of the transfer yeah. window as well. Yeah, I um, yeah, we certainly. I think we probably need probably two midfielders. You know, yeah, um, still expect to quite a lot of movement in and out of yeah. quite a lot of teams. I still expect Chelsea to sign another six before the end of the window. Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> that is crazy. We'll get we'll get to them as well because obviously they didn't get the result that they wanted yesterday. But um, Aid, we spoke about Brighton with you know with glowing reports pretty much all through the summer on this pod, and um, they absolutely ran away with it again at the way weekend. Uh, this time hitting walls for four. They're just fantastic, aren't they? Well, they certainly did a better job against Wolves than United did. That's for certain. <laughs> but. Um... Yeah, they're going well, aren't they? And they're top of the table at the moment. And you know, credit to them for being there. Um, especially that you know they keep selling their best players, and yet replacements drop in as though they've been there all season. It's amazing, really. And you know, you've got to give some credit to the manager as well because he must be doing a a pretty good job there to keep them going at the weight that they are. Um, you know, I don't think they've bought anybody special, have they? I'm not kind of conscious of it. And yet there they are, top of the table. I mean, what more can you ask for from your team? 
Yeah, Tom Deserby ball seems to be the um, the way to play at the moment. It's it's something special, I'm telling you. He's he's working magic. I mean, if Klopp goes or when he goes, Deserby next thoughts? Oh, I'd kill knows? for a man like that. I'd kill for a manager like. Wonder that. how much a Deserby cardboard cutout costs. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hire someone that looks like Roberto Deserby. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, Brian had been absolutely fantastic. I mean, Wolves, uh, they weren't great. They they definitely weren't great, but Brighton tore them to shreds. I mean, the three goals in, was it 10 minutes in the in the start of the second half? They were absolutely brutal. Um, and they've made more good signings, like everyone's touched on as well. The fact that they can sell McAllister and Caicedo, and they've not even replaced them yet and, and done wonders is um, if anything it's just players that they've sent out on loan come back exactly. and use them i mean again like we touched on last week i mean simon adingra didn't come on this week but the fact they've got options like him even like bringing james milner in this it, he's aging sure but it's his options two still. games two so. starts as well i think for him yeah and a right back and a right back he's, he's i don't know they i don't know what to say about them they're just too good i don't like it i'm scared mm-hmm Absolutely brilliant. Rick, Rick, we spoke about the fact that once you get take Man City out of the equation and then the rest of it, there's quite a good battle for your top four, top six, top half. Is it ridiculous to say Brighton uh, have a shout? Not at, at this moment. Top four? Not at this moment in time. If this season turns out... Obviously, you... they've got European football themselves, etc. Yeah, but you look last season... Uh, the top four personnel changed because Spurs were out of contention because their pants. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool both had bad seasons. If the same thing, sort of thing happens this year and the teams that you don't expect are going to be right up there, then you'd think that Brighton have got as good a chance purely on footballing basis as, as anybody else in that division. And, you, yeah, it's whether or not they can keep it going over the course of a whole season, but They've certainly got the ability. They've got coaches on fire at the moment. So, uh, yes, be very scared of Brighton. They're doing very, very well. And are we all worried for Wolves? We touched on last week the fact that, oh, maybe they'll play better than we think. Obviously, that performance against Man United, but just <laughs> they'll struggle they to score has, goals. But is it, yeah, is it more than that? It's deeper than that. They, they, to, to be fair, they, they, they played and, and created a lot of chances, didn't they? They just got nobody to score. I'd be very worried for Everton. I mean, the way they played, although it was an absolute disgrace. Yeah. Well, that leads us nicely, Thorpe, saying absolute disgrace, because next on my list is Spurs 2, Man United 0. I'll open it up to the floor. AD Rick, who who would like to take it? Discuss. (laughs) Go on, Adrian, defend that shower. (laughs) Well, first half, half, and I come back to my comment earlier about that first goal, that elusive first goal for a few people. If we'd got that elusive first goal, I think we would have murdered them. But we didn't, unfortunately. Bruno should have scored one. After after, um, uh, the challenge, the penalty that was turned down against Wolves, there's no way United were going to get that penalty on Saturday anyway. So no, that no. would have been a completely different game. You go 1-0 up there and you've got something to play for. And they fell apart, fell apart in the second half. So, But I yeah. didn't think they were as bad as people are criticising. The second half, yeah, they weren't good. But the first half, I think we could have, with a bit of luck, we could have gone into maybe even three up. But we didn't. And, you know, at the end of the day, I accept that, that that's football. We didn't go in and we should have had a penalty. We didn't get it. End of the day, you know, I mean, Bruno, how the hell he missed that, I'll never know. I mean, that was such a sitter. He wasn't offside. It seemed as though he was almost worried about being offside that he didn't concentrate on putting the ball where he should have done with his head. But, you know, but I mean, we bought this centre forward. I think it's rather unfortunate to go out and spend 60, 70 grand on a player and then he rolls up and he's injured and he can't play straight away. I mean, that does seem... I don't know if that's either bad luck or bad management or what it is, but uh, hopefully... 60 or 70 grand on a striker, that's a fortune, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, or even 60 or 70 million then. Oh, that's a bit more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's injured. Hopefully, when he comes back, things all change. 
Marcus will go out on the wing where he's happier. This new guy, Rajmos or whatever his name is, um, yeah, you know, I think I'm not too bothered about it yet. And I tell you what, I, I think I think Tottenham. I really do think I was impressed with Tottenham in the second half. I thought they looked really good. In terms of the overall picture, though, Rick, it will be obviously be difficult for Hoyland to come in and just be the answer to the to the questions um, that are posing of United at the moment. But how, how do you see the overall picture at the moment? Because obviously it's two games in, there's no need to panic, but obviously it was this time last year where me, you and AD got together and did a special podcast on Manchester <laughs> United because of how bad the season had started. So comparing to 12 months on... yeah. Not quite as bad as that, but still area for concern, or just one of those where still a long way to go. So just hopefully you sort it out quickly. I, I, I'm confused. I, I can't possibly answer that question while I've got the image of Tom Bailey grinning his face off in the top <laughs> corner. Could you stop smiling? Could you stop enjoying this place, mate? Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, it's the start of the season, isn't it? Um, yeah, there's still time to do business. And it looks like United should have uh, some money to do some business, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. We managed to get rid of some uh, some deadwood and some undesirables. So hopefully, yeah, we'll have a few quid. But yeah, but will you? Mentioning the undesirable, Rick. What what do you see? I mean, I know, I've read the statement and all the rest of it. He's going. Are we going to sell him, or is any, come to that? Is anybody going to want to buy him for money, or is it going to be he's going to go out on loan? How do you see it finishing up? He'll go somewhere. Someone will have him. At the end of the day, he's, uh, as I said last on, on Wednesday, he's a very, very good footballer, just a shit human being. Mm. And United, it says everything about Manchester United Football Club and the people that are running them at the moment, that uh, they made a decision to keep him, which was what the decision was at the start of August, and then delayed it. But this story leaked out last week. You'd almost think that... Um, they were waiting to gauge what public opinion was as to whether or not they went through with the decision to keep him or to let him go. And the reaction is such that if Rachel Riley's not going to come to your games anymore, then obviously you have to get rid of somebody. But um, no, it's, it was never a viable thing if you're going to have any credibility, not just as a football club, but as anything that has anything to do with, with human beings. We've all heard the tape. There's a lot of nonsense coming out at the moment about there being more evidence. If there was more evidence there, then that would have been put into the public arena to make sure to ease his reintegration back into things. If uh, Richard Arnold comes out with a statement today saying that he's heard that's only a clip of a tape, there's more of it that exonerates Mason. He believes that he never did anything. But if that's the case, put that in the public arena yeah. and that's half your job done. You don't keep that secret. And uh, for, for Mason Greenwood to put out his statement today and claim that he's cleared of all charges, charges being dropped is very, very different to being cleared of all charges. He's been cleared of absolutely nothing. And the general public, the general footballing public, everybody has made, thankfully, seem to be uh, fairly united in their condemnation of that sort of behaviour. And that's not the sort of person that I... Personally, I'm comfortable with representing my football club and the sooner he's gone, the better and hopefully United can get some sort of money in from him and use it. Well, well said. Like, last point on this, um, Thorpey, because yeah. I, I don't want to talk about this too much, but the fact that, like Rick's touched on there, Man United kind of flirted with the idea of, um, of keeping him on the books, but they've now obviously come out today and said um, that they're not going to keep him at the club. Um, is it just a case of it doesn't matter too much in terms of how long it took for them to come to the decision? The good thing is that they've come to it and the next chapter can just move on now? I think so, Sasha, for the football club and where it stands and its credibility to, to, to that situation, I think it was integral that they, they, they made that decision. I was only disappointed they didn't make it the start. It seems like he sat on the fence waiting for other people to make decisions for him. Is he that? Is he not got the balls to actually, uh, and, and what he gets paid to make that decision anyway? Let's be frank, very frank about it. The video evidence that was put in front of us at the start was very damning towards him. I said straight away, his career's over. 
if he's got any type of career left, it's not in this country. It's in it's in far far away place where he can earn plenty of money, and 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 maybe salvage some of his career. But I don't think he'll have a career in this country. Listen, I may well be turned wrong because at the, at the end of the day, he's not been proved guilty. But what was putting us put in front of us at the very very beginning cannot be ignored. Now he says he's changed person. He's got a child now, and he's he, he says he wants to be a great husband. Fantastic. But I know damn well that it, it is it, the way Manchester United would have been at the very start of his coming up through the ranks, especially under Sir Alex Ferguson. He had been told in no uncertain terms how he should have behaved as a Manchester United player, and it's not doing what he was doing. You know, in any stream for a, a way of life, that is not the way to act, especially when you're, especially when you're like um, trying to create. Um, a stature where younger children are are trying to emulate you as an individual, and I think that's highly important as well. So I absolutely think that they um, made the right decision. I totally agree with what Rick has said, and I compliment him for what he said. I think it should be absolutely put out there. You cannot treat um, ladies like that. Uh, it's not right. And if you are in a situation where you're a privileged person, earn the type of money. In a, in a, and put the higher pedestal um, and make an example of a youngster, that is not a way to react. And I don't personally think he should have a career. Of course, Thorpe is that there's another problem in the, in the wind as well, because um, unfortunately, Anthony's been, uh, there's some talk of, of his wife uh, going legal of uh, various sorts of uh, assault <laughs> and stuff. Well, I don't know. Really? I don't know the details of it, I mean, but certainly she's what, going to court. Yeah. So, so what stage of, of, of like that you feel that you can just do what you want to do and feel that you're above everybody else and get away with it? Nobody's no. above the law. I don't think anybody in the land should be above the law. MPs no, I, as well. I agree. You know, and whatever so statue I, you're in, you know, you need to... Look, listen, footballers get put in certain situations, but they also have a brain of their own that they can make decisions on their own. You know, and I've been, you know... In those situations, and you know, there is a word no, so you know, you, you, you need to be big enough and, and bold enough to be, um, have the stature to to actually um, make that decision. Well, let's well, let's um, move the conversation along. And you saying there, Thorpe, about being above the law because that takes us to Manchester City against Newcastle United. <laughs> um, <laughs> I tell you what, it's almost like we planned it. Um, Oil Classico, I think it was being dubbed as over the weekend. <laughs> um, yeah. um, the game itself, Tom Bailey, it was a... Uh, Rick touched it on it last week about the fact there's an eight o'clock kickoff. Maybe there was something in that as to why it was a little bit of a drab 1-0 um, in the end, in terms of the overall game, but from a city perspective, Tom, the number three points move on. Job done. Yeah. Um, the worrying thing for the rest of the league and indeed the rest of Europe is that Kevin De Bruyne is out injured for four months, and yet City look like they aren't missing him whatsoever. I mean, it's only one game, but Phil Foden was absolutely phenomenal once again, and Julian Alvarez is is a phenomenon as well. I mean, the fact that he has to play second fiddle to the greatest striker in the world currently is is a crime against him because he's a World Cup winner. He's he's won well, he's won everything in in Europe at the age of twenty three. What else is there for him to do? It's he scores a go to great Saudi. goal again. <laughs> go, yeah, go Saudi. Yep, set your family up for life. Why not? Honestly, yeah, City were absolutely fantastic once again. Um, it's going to get boring very quickly, I think. But Newcastle can take some positives in that they held them to one and it's going to be a good sort of warm-up for them to um, face tough opposition week in and week out with the Champions League football they've got as well. Um, I think I do think as well Anthony Gordon was lucky to stay on the pitch. I will say that though. Um, but yeah, let's see. Comfortable one, they'll win um, and they'll look to build off that. Um. Rick, were you expecting more from Newcastle here? Or like we've just touched on there, it was very much a sort of as soon as we've spoken about the early goal throughout this pod that it, City got the early goal and then it was pretty much shut up shop from, from that point on. Uh, I honest, In all honesty, I haven't seen anything of the game and uh, I'm quite happy about that. I've got no interest in those two football clubs at all. So uh, 
you could ask somebody else. I've got nothing positive to say about it at all. It's appalling. The whole situation of the two clubs is. I'm starting with money. Ask me something I can be cheerful about. Bloody Mason Greenwood and Newcastle, Man City, and Liverpool. I'd like to hey, cheer up. The, now, topi- the topics are the topics. That's <laughs> yeah, it's not my fault. I've, I've had a rough week this week. Sophie, <laughs> <laughs> you expecting Newcastle to be in and amongst it this season, or, or yeah, kind I, of? Listen, they got they got. Um... They got seven shots in against uh, Man City. I didn't think they were. It was. It, I think Man City did a fantastic job on them. Uh, I think they just showed their muscle, but I don't think they were that bad. I don't. They, they you know, they could have created a few more, but um, yeah, I was. I, I was expecting a, a narrow victory, and I think that they just did a great job of them. I think they just showed them exactly what they're capable of. And uh, with De Bruyne bring out, somebody stepped up to the plate, but they got a massive squad for that because of their zillions that they pay above and beyond anyway. So, um, it, yeah, if you take down the squads, are they beatable? Yeah, they are beatable, but it's going to be difficult. And I do think that they're... I was hoping they, they'd show some light weakness, but I, I don't think they are. I think they're going to be strong. It's just who can match them, really, isn't it? Um, moving moving into Sunday, Rick, I will I will ask you this one because you spoke on Wednesday in the preview show about how you would expect uh, Everton to possibly concede a hatful and Villa would probably enjoy playing that defence after their shaky start against Newcastle. And so it proved 4-0 and Everton just not looking good at all, are they? I don't think you can really praise my prediction abilities predicting that Everton are going to get back. Banker of the weekend, you could say. Yeah, pretty much. It was always That was always going to happen. Villa looked back to what you would Some expect. Some of the goals as well, particularly the one yeah. in the second half, were so sloppy, weren't they? I know. Evan, uh, Sean Dyche has got some work to do. Uh, there's talk of uh, Che Adams coming in there, so there could be a bidding war for him between Fulham, Fulham and Everton. Uh, what a choice. I know. Do you want to be shot or hung? Not that not great choice, is it really? And uh, Calvert Lewin goes off with a facial injury. That's gonna that looked a really bad injury as well, didn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't mean in terms of how long he'll possibly be out for, but the fact that it started out as a little lump, and by the time that he came yeah. off the pit yeah. field, he was you know, no disrespect to him, but he was looking a bit more like the elephant man. Well, that's yeah, his, his modeling career up the Swanee for a few weeks, <laughs> be advertising anything anytime soon. But Villa looked efficient, they looked good, they looked exactly what you'd expect. Aston Villa to, to look like against a team playing as badly as Everton, who are going to be in big trouble this season. Mm. Age just on that. that. Do we do we think the Deitch factor is enough at Everton over the season? Are they going to need more in the transfer market for this team to be good enough to stay up, regardless of what a job Sean Deitch might be able to do there? Well, I've got to say, I like Sean Deitch. I think he's down to earth, nice guy. Big he ass, would appear, though, yeah. But um, my God, he's going to have to do some some very good business to be able to pull this one round. I would have thought. Um, I don't know who they've got lined up. I mean, I've read somewhere they haven't got an awful lot of money anyway. So, no. so you know, that's that's going to prove a problem in itself. But um, no, I've, I mean, you know, I must admit I wouldn't have expected four nil exactly. But on the other hand, Villa looked very dangerous as well. So. It could have been more, couldn't it? And then he would have even had more of a problem on his hands. So, you know, very difficult. Very difficult for him, I should have thought. Um, You mentioned big money there, so that only takes us to the final game then of the the weekend, which was um, West Ham turning over Chelsea by by three goals to one. I can't lie, Tom Bailey, and say there was something satisfied when Casado comes in, gives the ball away a couple of times, and then... (laughs) The foul Suchek, I think it was, for the penalty. That was quite pleasing. I do expect him to still be a good purchase. So I think some of the memes on Facebook were a little bit over the top and a bit premature, but still it made me smile all the same. Um, I think I saw someone online take um, a, a note of every single Caicedo, uh, every single Caicedo mistake in that game. He was on the pitch for about 30, 35 minutes and he filled two pages of a notepad, uh, which... <laughs> I mean, I applause for for taking those notes, but it's um, look. West Ham started well; they did they did pretty good to get. Chelsea didn't play badly here, did yeah, they? But exactly, West Ham were clinical. Yeah. 
Chelsea, Chelsea played, they played pretty well. Um, and of course, they had the options, um, very young options. The Triple Mecca did look pretty good before he came off injured. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do um, throughout the rest of the season. I think a lot of it is going to take some bedding in as well. Because, I mean, you've got pretty much an entirely new squad from a season, maybe two seasons ago. So it's all going to take a time to settle. But, um, I mean, props to West Ham as well. I mean, still not with a proper striker. I can't really call Mikel Antonio a striker. Um, He's so... always linked with a move away every year. And every he year he ends up being the man that they go with. And justified it as well that was some finish that was it reminded me of jimmy floyd hasselbank-esque that finish the weird thing is west ham is one of those clubs that somehow thrive off of not having a striker i don't remember other than maybe carlos tevez in my lifetime i don't remember there ever being a good west ham striker or if they've signed a big striker he's done rubbish like hernandez Skamaka. they seem to sign they seem to sign for 12 months and get shipped on don't they and then do a, a good elsewhere like Javier Hernandez was good before he came to West Ham stunk the place out so it was great um, Skamaka awful for a season gone back to Atalanta I'm sure he'll score Halle. 15 goals in Serie A exactly Halle is now at Dortmund and being absolutely brilliant it, they just somehow don't know what a striker is they, they just keep Antonio forever I suppose but um, <laughs> they've done well they've done really well um, and I'm sure they'll be looking to build on that with uh, European football as well. Um, obviously, some exciting transfers coming in as well. James Ward Prowse was absolutely fantastic. Um, I expected nothing less of him. And getting to see Edson Alvarez as well. Um, another great move for them. So I think they'll be absolutely fine this year. Dorpy? I just, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I just feel sorry for Antonio because he plays up front on his own, doesn't he? He's like the, he's like the leper up front and let's uh, don't go nowhere near him. And Maybe he might be able to try and, and wangle a chance on his own. But what a great finish. And um, if, if any anybody manager puts somebody up there with him to take the workload off him, I actually think that he could, you know, score some goals. He played in a 3-5-2. I think he could, you know, he he might score a few more goals, but he's got to do all the running himself. I just feel really, really sorry for him because he, he can finish, but he, he just never gets any help. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, we've only got around about three minutes or so left of the season, this evening's pod. So there is a game tonight, as we record this on Monday, um, Palace against Arsenal. Uh, so we don't really have time to preview it as such, but just very quickly, I'll go around the room. Just tell me, Palace, Arsenal or a draw? Thorpe, I'll start with you. Arsenal. Rick? Draw. Tom? Uh, Arsenal. Palace. Palace. <laughs> Might be wishful thinking, Paul. Yeah. What about you, Hilda? I think Hilda's frozen. Oh. Hilda? Like it. That's poor form from a host. <laughs> uh, say, yeah, it is. Red, Zed Victor 1 to BD. Come forgiven. in, Zed Victor 1. <laughs> always forgiven. Hilda! Through the line, isn't he? That's what yeah. I just think that, you know, I think Arsenal are, are playing really well. And I just, you know, as much as I'd like to think that, um, you know, Palace have got the opportunity at home to, to do something against Arsenal, I just think that they have got some, they have got some real quality there, haven't they? Like, so, and um, they're, they're playing some really, really good stuff. So they're saying going to miss a striker, but Nketiah's, you know, he's, he's Pulled up and scored a goal already. So um, I, I, I think they'll probably. I think Palace will work hard, but I just think that the, the Arsenal will have the quality in that game, and um, uh, they'll they'll just eventually break them down. I could see it going who's, very much. Who's going to play in goal for for Arsenal? That's the question. Is Arsenal going to hang on to it? And they just brought another fella in. Well, that that that's that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because. Um, is he is he actually playing tonight? I don't know. I'm trying to find the lineups because we as we finish recording this, it's uh, a minute until the teams get get announced. Yeah, so, yeah, the team the team's not been released yet. I I suspect that he would carry on playing. I mean, he's, he's not made two glaring errors, has he? And um, yeah. his form's been that good. They obviously want to put him under pressure, and, and maybe they see that as a a way of doing it. Um, 
you know, he's a good keeper. Come, you know, they've signed a, a decent enough keeper, haven't they? Like, so maybe it is that pressure. Maybe it is to, you know, to get that that little bit of extra ten percent out of them. I don't know, but um, Ramsdale stuff. Um, well, look, chaps, I don't want to cut in on this this wonderful discussion, but uh, Hilda's done a runner because she's frozen, <laughs> and uh, we've gone over time. So. Uh, Basically, thank you, Tom, for joining us tonight. Thank you, Paul. It's good to have you back Pleasure. after all this time. Get back on the golf horse now. You've got until next Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rick, uh, I'll see you soon, I've no doubt. And uh, basically, all I can say is thanks for listening through football. Bloody hell. We'll see you soon. Don't